Thank you, choir. There is a, uh, that is a great, great song. Amen. Praise God for thank you, choir. And uh, may the Lord bless you for uh, that song of worship. Let's stand, if you will. Brother Tony's going to lead us in the chorus, and then we're going to shake hands and make everybody feel right at home. Amen. You chorus this morning. There's something about that name. should be on the back of your bulletin or page 619 if you need the words. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus. Finding your seats, let's sing it through once more. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after. Kingdoms will all pass away. 
Amen. You can be seated. Amen. All right. Well, take your bulletins out if you would, please. And let me remind you about a couple sign-up sheets uh, that we have uh, down on the front pew. We sort of transitioned it from the steps uh, to the front pew there. And so if you can remember to sign up for these things, that'd be great. One is a couples retreat. And so that's uh, taking place in the first weekend in February, the first through the third. And so if you sign up for that and uh, let us know on there if you need lodging or not. And so we've got some cabins set aside. We just need to know how many we need to, uh, to get uh, to make sure we can provide lodging for everybody. So please uh, take a look at that and, um, and sign up. And then um, we put another sign-up sheet down there for uh, Rebecca and Carrie's wedding. And so the whole church is invited. It's going to take place here at the church on February the 10th at 11 a.m. And then reception to follow. So we're really we're just trying to get you signed up for the reception so we can get a count um, on the number of people to provide food for. And so if you could sign up for that, that'd be, that'd be helpful. And I think we've got about a month to sign up for that. Uh, January, some first Saturday in January, I think is the deadline for that. So we can prepare for food, but please sign up for that. And, uh, everybody's welcome to come to that. And then look in your bulletin choir practice tonight at 4:30. uh, tonight, 4:30 choir practice. And then we have a, a cantata practice on Tuesday at, um, at seven, seven o'clock on Tuesday. So that's not in the bulletin. Make a quick note of that, if you would, please, in the choir, I probably knows that, but just as a reminder, Austin teacher meeting tonight at 5.30, so please plan to be in that, and then we have uh, our blast uh, Christmas party on the 6th, uh, please remember that, and our Phil America event starts this coming Saturday, which is the 9th, and so we've put some tracks out in the foyer, we've got a, a lot of tracks down here sort of behind these trees, uh, there's a couple of thank you tracks, there's some of the welcome home tracks, we put a buku of the Christmas tracks here. And we've got plenty of gospel tracks, and so uh, we'll start that on Saturday, if you can remember to, and we'll remind you on Wednesday, but start keeping track of how many you try, try to pass out. So we're trying to keep track of how many we pass out person to person, how many we leave in, in, in places, uh, and then the number of people involved. And so let's try to get everybody involved, uh, giving out the gospel, and finishing off the year strong on that. And so that'll take place from uh, the 9th to the 23rd, two-week period there. So please remember that. Uh, a children's Christmas program next Sunday, golly, at the, um, it's hard to believe, at the nursing home. And so we're going to uh, keep the children here, feed them lunch, and then we'll load up on the bus, go to the nursing home, and then we'll just run through the whole program and uh, encourage the young, the, the young people to, to be there and faithful to that. And I'm sure it'll be a great encouragement uh, to the residents there at the nursing home. So please uh, get involved in that. And parents, you're welcome to go. Uh, it's not going to be a long, long service. And so, uh, but be a great encouragement to the folks there, uh, not only the uh, the residents, but the workers. And so we'll encourage them, uh, give a clear presentation of the gospel and uh, sing all about Christmas and give all kinds of scriptures. So please, please uh, remember that. And then Christmas caroling we have scheduled for the 15th, Christmas cantata in the evening service on the 17th. And then uh, our children's Christmas program here at the church on Wednesday uh, evening. And we'll have our candlelight service and that evening service, I think a cookie fellowship after that. And so we'll say more about that in the future uh, as we get closer. And then uh, on Christmas Eve, we're going to have one service. So it'll be a 1030 service in the morning, no Sunday school, no PM service, just one 1030 service. And so please um, make note of that. And then you see the note there about Christmas Eve service. And so we'll have regular Sunday school on that last day of the year. Uh, our normal morning service, we'll have a dinner on the grounds, uh, lunch to follow, and no evening service there. Happy birthday this week to Brother Jackson, little Jackson Brooks, and Crystal Harner's got a birthday this week. So congratulations to those two on another year of life. Amen. All right, won't you stand with us, please, one more time, and Brother Tony's going to come lead us in another song. Page 107, 107, verses 1 and 4, 1 and 4. God rest you, merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. 
Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and joy Verse 4 now to the Lord sing praises, all you within this place, and with true love and brotherhood each other now embrace. This holy tide of Christmas, all others doth face. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Man, you can be seated. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm just standing there just singing along. I thought, well, that's the last verse. Well, <laughs> anyway, you know, uh, oh, don't worry about it. It, it. It's been one of those mornings, amen? And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, God's good to us. So even, even in those, he's good to us. I'd like you to take your Bible and go to Joshua chapter 5 this morning, Joshua chapter 5, and before I preach, Ms. Rebecca's going to sing. Oh, 
boy is Lord of all creation. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy was heaven's perfect lamb and the sleeping child you're holding is the great Perhaps very few songs besides that one really make you want to stop and think and contemplate about what you've heard. And uh, that is a tremendous song, Christmas song, whenever. But yet uh, the greatest name that I know of is Jesus Christ. I want to proclaim to you this morning, He is Lord. He is Lord of all. One day, as scriptures have announced, He is King. But He will be King of Kings. And that one day, care not who it is, from Mao Zedong to Adolf Hitler to Nero, to, to Cain, to Abel, they'll bow the knee to him. And one day he will rule and reign. And boy, I tell you what, it's going to be a rude awakening for some people to have a real leader, a real king, somebody with real authority. Because He's going to know the very heart of what you're saying. What a blessing it is. Hey, and that's all, that all started not at Bethlehem. It started a long, long, long time ago, back in eternity past somewhere. Because you see, Jesus Christ has no beginning. And he certainly will have no end. Joshua chapter 5 uh, this morning. I'm not going to read the whole chapter but we will start reading in verse 10. It says, And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes, parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore. But they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. 
And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship him and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord of hosts said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Look what it says back, if you will, in verse 14. He said, But as the captain of the Lord, uh, the captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. You say, Well, Brother Ritter, what's taking place here? Well, you understand that Joshua has been appointed as the successor to Moses. And in that came the role of being leader of the nation of Israel. The great thing about this leader is that his name could be called Jesus or that his name is Jehovah saves. And by Joshua, the children of Israel were going to do something that they should have done 40 years before. When Joshua was a young man of about 40 years of age, they should have conquered the land of Canaan. They should have entered into the promised land. But because of ten spies and the rebellion of God's people, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Now that generation that rebelled against God has passed off the scene and the ones that that generation was so worried and concerned about that would die uh, at the hands of the Canaanites and all the other enemies of God are now preparing to go into and conquer the promised land. And as our text tells us that the children of Israel are having and enjoying the Passover supper in the plains of Jericho. And I imagine somewhere in that evening as they uh, enjoy the, the blessing and the idea that we have been redeemed from the land of Egypt, we're no longer in bondage. We're no longer wandering. We're no longer uh, having to depend upon, uh, you know, the goodness of God. Because, you know, when they grumbled and told God, you know, we, we should have died back in Egypt. At least we had plenty to eat. God gave them manna, gave them manna which was just God's bread. And who is the manna from heaven? Of course, the Lord Jesus. But he gave them quail. And when they ate their full of it, they got sick of it. But for the next 40 years, every day except for one, they would go out and gather this manna. Now the old way of living is done, according to verse 11 and 12, uh, as they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover. You say, well, Brother Ray, what day was that? That was Sunday. I'm not going to stop there, but I could. 
You see, the Passover was accomplished, had been killed, they had eaten it, and now they were preparing on Sunday to go in and conquer the land. No more wandering in the wilderness. No more aimless death march. And that's what the wilderness journey was. It was a death march. It was a march that led nowhere. Just circle after circle after circle after circle. It was a meaningless life just waiting on death. I know a lot of people like that today. Just wondering. Looking for the good life looking for something to satisfy, looking for something to bring fulfillment, and yet in the midst of it, they forget they've been redeemed by the Passover lamb. And yet we see that they no longer have to eat this miraculous manna from heaven that every day they were supplied to and given by God in his goodness and his grace. Now Joshua and the children of Israel are about to embark upon a, a, a new life, a new way of doing things, a new, uh, a, a new energy in their life. And I believe as Joshua has finished the Passover with his family and, and, and realized the importance of, about what is to take place, I believe he finds him a quiet place. Everybody needs a quiet place. Quietness will not kill you, young people, by the way. You won't die without your cell phone for a week. It might do you good to try it. And Joshua finds himself as, as a, 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 and he's standing there, and I can, in my mind's eye, I can see him standing there on that plain of Jericho looking at the city of Jericho. It's a massive sight. Its walls are thick. It's well fortified. It, it seems as if it's going to be impregnable. It's going not, they're not going to have an easy time of doing it. And Joshua, this experienced warrior, this man that has, was a servant of Moses and, and did the battle and the work and the fighting for this great man, I believe he's standing there wondering, now God, how in the world are we going to do this? And then all of a sudden, Perhaps out of the corners of his eye, he sees a man. And he noticed the man has a sword in his hand. And Joshua being the man that he was, he did not fear man. He did not run from men. He went to him. And the closer he got, the more impressed he was with the one that he was looking at. And as it, when he gets close enough to him, he said, uh, are you a friend or are you a foe? Are you for us or are you for the enemy? You see, in, the, in, in this moment of time, Joshua came face to face with the very one that he was named after. This is a picture, 
And this man that is standing there with a sword in his hand is none other than a pre-incarnated Christ. And yet, as, as Paul says in Hebrews, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by all are all things uh, and, and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. You see, this one that is standing there is the captain of the Lord's host. Now, what is the Lord's host? You say, Brother Ritter, do you think it was just the army of Israel? Oh, no. No, I think it was what? I think it was the host of heaven itself. And I don't have time to take you to Revelation 19, but my dear friends, you can find out that there's going to come the day that the Lord Jesus is going to step out and he's going to be on a white stallion and he's going to lead the armies of heaven back to earth and he's going to conquer everything that is rightfully his. This is the one that Joshua is standing face to face with. You say, Brother Rader, what do you think it looked like? I have no idea, but I know one thing. It was very impressive. And Joshua said, are you our friend? Are you a foe? Uh, You know, are you for us? Are you going to help us? Are you going to help the enemy? And really in those words, it was a challenge from Joshua because he said, if you're not our friend, then you're our foe and me and you're going to have that right here. Now I got news for you, as great a warrior as Joshua was, he was no match for the man on the other side of the fence. And I love the response. I love what the, it says in verse 14. And he said, nay, No, Joshua, no, 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 no. As as the captain of host of the Lord, I am come. You see, Joshua was a man in need. He had a a great task. He had to lead a a group of, of young warriors that were full of zeal and ambition and and was clinging to the promises of God, but yet, in a lot of sense, they really weren't proven yet. Joshua, being the warrior that he was, he knew that there was one thing that was needed to conquer the land, and that was some proven warriors. And in the midst of all of this, Joshua was saying, Lord, how am I going to do this? And the Lord comes to him. And may I remind you today that in your hour of need, in your hour of question, in your hour when when things don't seem to be going like you think they should go, I want you to know that there is a man that will stand with you and there is a God in heaven that will say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
You know what Joshua found in his hour of need, his hour of loneliness, his hour of contemplation? He came face to face with the Son of God. And you know what we need to do as we enter this Christmas season, as we think of a new year coming? We need to find Jesus Christ in our daily lives. Because you see, without Jesus, my dear friends, you and I cannot accomplish nothing. Without Jesus Christ, my dear friends, we do not have the strength or the wisdom or the ability to be victorious. But with Him, with Him, all things are possible. And when He is with us, it matters not who is against us. He will give us the victory. So you and I think about this. Let's, let's learn a little bit, if you will, about this matter of, of Joshua and finding Jesus in his daily life. First of all, I want you to notice Joshua is looking for Jesus. Look what it said there in verse 13. It says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with a sword drawn. Oh, you see, Joshua was looking. Perhaps Joshua had questions about tomorrow. Perhaps Joshua was saying, Lord, I don't know how we're going to do this. Look at that city that is before us. Look at this impregnable thing. Lord, uh, how are we going to get in there? How are we going to get over the walls? How are we going to do this? And in the moment of Joshua's questions, Jesus appears. And, and may I say to you that, you know what, perhaps his question about tomorrow, but may I remind you that we need not to boast ourselves of tomorrow, for you don't know what a day will bring forth. Joshua refused to move until he was sure that the Lord's presence was with him. You see, God had already told Joshua, be of good courage. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. And I'm going to give you the victory back in Joshua chapter 1. He told him all those things. But yet I want you to know that, you know what? Joshua had learned one thing from Moses. You don't go forward for God until you know how God wants you to go forward. And so this morning, Joshua is a man that, that demonstrates to you and me. He demonstrates the fact that here is a man that just doesn't know God or know about God, but he knows God personally. He knows Jesus Christ personally. He has seen all of the great miracles and all of the uh, great deliverances that God could give him. And Joshua believed one thing, that you know what? God gave us a promised land, God can deliver any enemy that we face. And so Joshua here, as he questions and as he thinks about it, you know what he was really concerned about? How do we conquer that city? And I think the psalmist David helps us when he said in Psalm 62, 8, trust in the Lord at all times, ye people, 
Pour out your hearts before him and God is a refuge for us. Selah. The idea of Selah means to think of that. I want you to know something this morning. You know what you and I are going to do? We're going to be mediocre. We're going to be worldly. We're going to be half-hearted. We're going to be as long as you question God in the sense that you doubt what God is trying to do in your life. Joshua didn't doubt what God was trying to do. Joshua knew one thing. He had promised me and he would promised this here group of people that I'm leading, you're going to the promised land. Right. Now the promised land isn't heaven. Right. Promised land's a, a battlefield. Right. The promised land was, if you understand the context of Jericho and, and all that is around there as they go into the, the promised land, you know what? It's going to be a place of battle. It's going to be a place where uh, victories are won and, and, and place of defeat. And yet, you know what? Joshua realized that, you know what? He's looking around, but he's not questioning God in the sense that he's doubting God. He's just coming to God and saying, Lord, how are we going to do this? I think anytime you do something for God, you better question how are we going to do this. You see, Joshua's looking. He's not looking to his ability, but he's looking up. Amen. And you see, as he looked out and he saw this man, and the closer he got and the more impressed he was with him, and then he began to talk and he heard him say, I am the captain of the host of the Lord. Joshua had his answer. You know what? I was talking to a gentleman yesterday and he mentioned to me, he said, I, I was talking to a preacher one time and he said, I just started out being a pastor. And, and he said, you know, uh, the preacher asked me, you know, some questions and, and he said, uh, well, sir, you know, I'm just going to trust Jesus to work it out. He said, young man, don't you realize that Jesus is not the answer to every question in life? And you know what he said, sir, I hate to beg to differ with you, but you know what? Our conversation is finished because Jesus is the answer to everything. I don't care what your problem is. You see, Joshua was looking in the right place. He was looking up. He was looking not by questioning God, but he was looking by faith to God. And so when you and I began to come to, and we want to be victorious, you know what? You better find Jesus every day in your life. Where are you going to find Jesus? Or oh, you can find him in circumstances, but more important, you're going to find him right here in this book. Here's the book. Here's the book of Jesus. And if you really want victory in your life, you're going to have to be a person of the word. That's the reason Joshua never faltered or, or never failed. You know why? Because every day Joshua got up and he always remembered, hey, I met the Son of God one night. And you know what he promised us? He said, I'm going to, I'm going to take you to the promised land. You're going to be victorious. And Joshua never, never forgot that. So we see Joshua was a man that was looking to God. But I like Joshua's response to Christ there in four, verse 14. He said, and look in verse 14 what it said. And, and, and Jesus said to him, but as, a, as the captain, as captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. 
And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship him and said unto him. Now, now I want you to notice Joshua's response. First of all, he responded with humility. He fell on his face. You see, just a few seconds before, are you friend or foe? Nay, I'm the captain of the Lord's host. Joshua realized whose presence he was in. You know what my trouble is? You know what your trouble is? We don't often realize whose presence we're in. Hmm? Do you, when you come to church, do you come to be in the presence of Christ? I come because the old woman makes me come, preacher, to be real truthful. That's the best you can do. Just don't say nothing. All right? Because you've already revealed your heart. You see, Joshua's heart was this. Joshua's heart was that you know what? That God giveth more grace and and and, and God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. I want you to know something today. You know how you respond to coming into the presence of Christ? You do like Joshua. You humble yourself. Aren't we a little arrogant sometimes? Aren't we a little arrogant in the fact that, you know, we, we think we can handle it? Hmm? Well, I got this, Lord. I really don't need your help. What you're saying is, I don't need the presence of Christ. Really, Joshua came and he fell on his face. Why? Because Joshua wanted to do one thing. He wanted to fellowship with the one that was standing there with the sword in his hand. He wanted, he wanted to hear his wisdom. He wanted to hear and be guided by him and find out his direction. And because of that, there was a humility in Joshua that, my dear friends, if you can't humble yourself, you know what? You know what a great leader is? He's a great follower. You think about Joshua. He spent 40 years a step always behind Moses. Always a step behind Moses. Nobody ever saw Joshua. Oh, well, that, that's Moses' servant. That's Moses' minister. That's Moses' deacon there. Uh, you know, he, he's really not important. You better be looking at Moses. Now Moses is gone and Joshua standing. And you know what Joshua wanted them to do? He didn't want them to see him. He wanted them to see the Lord, the one that, my dear friends, made Moses great and the one that was going to make him great. There was a humility about it. But not only did Joshua have a humility, but it says that he, Joshua worshiped the Lord. Amen. Oh, you see, if you're really going to put Jesus in his proper place, if you're going to really uh, let him be first in your life as Joshua was doing now, he fell on his face. There was that act of humility. Now he's worshiping the Lord. How's he worshiping? In spirit and in truth. 
He's not worshiping him. He's not worshiping Jesus his way. He's worshiping Jesus the way that he was taught by Moses. I can imagine Moses telling him, now son, when you, when you come into the presence of God, best position is face down. Face down. We live in a day when people come into God like, I tell you, man, God, I'm here now. You can take it easy. I've got this. Right? I, I see that in a lot of preachers. Hmm? And a lot of Baptist preachers. I see it in a lot of other preachers that you meet. They, they just think they are God's gift to everything. That, you know, you say, well, Brother Raider, why do you say that? Because when you get around them, the first thing you find out is, is that Jesus is not really that important. Their ministry is that important. What they've done is important. What they're talking about and what they're preaching about and, and all this and everything they're doing, it, it's all about them. Joshua came to worship. He said, it's all about you, Lord. Amen. It's all about you. So we see the response of Joshua is this. But then I see there's another thing that Joshua did as he worshiped the Lord. Look in verse 14 what he did. He asked a question. And perhaps this question reveals more about Joshua than anything. And he said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Uh, Lord as little Samuel was instructed by Levi or Eli, if he speaks to you again, son, when you lay down, in 1 Samuel 3, if he speaks to you again, just simply say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth thee. The position. Who's in charge? Well, Joshua is a leader of the greatest nation in the world. Everybody fears Joshua. Everybody fears him. But Joshua comes, and you know what he does? He said, thy servant, Lord. Speak, for thy servant heareth thee. Isaiah put it this way. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Paul put it this way in Acts 9, 6, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Oh, you see, Joshua was a servant. Joshua's not worried about his plans or his, or, or his success. He's saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Your will be done in my life. Your will be done in the nation of Israel's life. And when you find Jesus in your daily life, it won't be about, Lord, bless my plan. But, Lord, Lord I want to be a blessing so I can accomplish your plan for the day. Who's in charge, Lord? I'm just your servant. You see, Joshua knew who he was talking to. 
You go on down to chapter 6 and you see, and, and the Lord said unto Joshua. Joshua knew who he was talking to, the Lord. He knew it was Jehovah. The same God that Moses had met on the mountain. The same God that he had, he had witnessed and seen God work over the past 40 years. He knew who he was talking to. And he said, I'm just your servant. That's the greatest position that a person can ever have. To be the servant of Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice one last thing here. Notice Christ's reply in verse 14. What, what saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord of hosts said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. I see two things here. Joshua, my dear friend, submits to, the, to his commander. He submits to his captain, to his leader, to his boss. Why? Because Joshua knew one thing. If we're going to conquer the promised land, we're going to defeat our enemies, and we're going to reap the blessings that have been promised to us, I've got to follow the commander. I've got to submit to him. But not only submit to him, but follow him. I bet it really made it easier on Joshua that night when he realized I don't have to know how to conquer Jericho. All I got to do is follow the directions he gives me. <laughs> Woo! Boy, you're talking about directions and clarity of direction. Uh, Joshua, here's what I want you to do. Six days I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to put it out front. I want, to, I want you to put some men in front of it, a space of about a thousand yards, and then I want you to put the army behind it, and I want you all to walk around the wall one time, one time for six days. But I don't want you to say a word. Never Baptist have never been able to do that. Can you imagine those soldiers there in Jericho? Here they see the ark going. They see the soldiers. And you know, just stone silence. First day, look at them dumb people. What do they think they're doing? Second day, same old thing. They're laughing by the third and fourth day. They, they don't know what they're doing. They're, they're just trying to intimidate us. They know they can't conquer us. We got her pretty good. And then that seventh day, they marched around the wall, and they marched around the wall, and then all of a sudden the horns blew, and what happened? The walls of Jericho imploded. They didn't fall out, they fell in. And you know what Joshua said? Now when the walls fellas fall in, you shout, and when you shout, charge them, go right on in. And we'll be victorious. You know why all that took place? Because Joshua made his mind up. I'm going to submit to my captain. I'm going to follow my commander. And I'm going to do what he says. Because his will 
is far more important than my will. Father, bless our time together this morning. Lord, may you help us to learn from Joshua. May you help us to learn the simple truth that Jesus is always near. He's promised he'd never leave us, he'd never forsake us. And Lord, may you speak to each one of us today. Am I his servant? Can I learn from Joshua a lesson on humility and a lesson on worship? And a lesson about who should lead and who should follow? And I pray today, Lord, you'd save that one that's not sure of heaven. Lord, help us as your children as we enter this holiday season, this Christmas time. May we, Lord, be more determined that we're going to give him the place of preeminence, the place of providence. We're going to give him the place that he rightfully deserves because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Bless in this invitation. Speak to hearts as need be. And we'll love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. If you will, we're going to sing number 295 as our invitation. Listen, if you need somebody to pray with you, Brother Lane will be down front. I'll be glad to help you. Maybe this morning you need, uh, maybe you need to be saved. Hey, listen, don't put it off. Uh, you know what? You may have one opportunity at it. Today is the day of salvation. Don't neglect it. Don't put it off today. You respond as the Lord leads you this morning. Amen. On this first stanza. Who's in charge of your life this morning, dear friend? Is the Lord Jesus your Lord? Is he your commander? Do you know where he wants you to go? What's his will for your life? Come Dear friend, don't put it all. Don't allow the devil to defeat you, talk you out of the blessings of heaven. Come home. I thought about this 
as I was reading this passage the other day. Who's my captain? Who's leading you? It don't take much for me to lead me. I can always lead me down a wrong path. But if I'm going to really go the right way, I'm going to have to have the captain of my salvation. I'm going to have to consider him and what he wants. That's what Joshua was doing here. He was considering what Jesus wanted from him. Father, bless our time together. Take thy word, seal it to our hearts. Lord, use it according to your will and your plan. And Lord, we'll simply love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen.